0: Welcome to episode number 167 of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh, life coach, recovering alcoholic, sober entrepreneur, all those good things here to help you with recovery and life strategies so we can get better, master this thing, live happier and healthier. That's what we're doing around here. Today's episode You know, my whole thing as a life coach is to always share good tips, tricks, strategies, how to get your life together, obviously, how to do recovery and break free from whatever your addiction may be. Lord knows I have plenty of them. (laughs) It's like whack-a-mole around here. I handle one thing and another one pops up. But that has always been 100% my comfort zone, right? Sharing tips, tricks, strategies with you to live happier and healthier. And we are going to continue on that track, okay? So remember earlier this year, really I mean, I think it started fall of last year, but really big hype early beginning this year. The Clubhouse app hit the scene. Everybody's talking about it. It was a big thing. Maybe more in entrepreneur and marketing world because that seems to be the realm that takes over everything first. But I definitely started hearing about the Clubhouse app pretty early on and people were going crazy and, oh my gosh, you can sit in these rooms and celebrities show up and if that's your thing and it's really exciting, that's what made Clubhouse big. I think what started it all is there was a room about Dogecoin and Elon Musk showed up in that room to talk about Dogecoin. And after that, it was off to the races. Everybody raving about Clubhouse and wanting to be a part of it. It is live. It is audio only. Yes, you heard me don't worry about your dang hair, just show up, there's no video, you just show up and listen, and it's fantastic. And I immediately started a room because I'm always looking for new ways to share space and carry the message and be of service and all those things. So I jumped in immediately and I started doing Sober Sunday on the Clubhouse app, and it was awesome. People loved it, people were showing up, We're sharing invites, We're promoting it every week. Unfortunately, my co-pilot, Brock Bevel, was doing it with me and we just started hitting major scheduling conflicts, right? We're both busy people. Um, Brock has a big family and we just had all these scheduling conflicts and it became really difficult for us to carry it on. So I didn't want it to go away because we really put a fair amount of energy into creating this thing and getting people to show up. And it's and it's a phenomenal resource. It is such a cool spot because it's live. It's almost like live podcasting. Like you just pop in these rooms, you're muted, but it's all live conversation and it's awesome. So I didn't want to let it go. And we had somebody that would show up every single week, every sober Sunday. Jenna was there. And I got to hear her, hear her share, hear her passion for recovery. And I had so much respect for her. And she's also in our Addiction Unlimited Facebook group. So when I made the announcement in the Facebook group that I could no longer do Sober Sunday, it was just becoming too difficult to manage time-wise and promotion and all that stuff, Jenna popped up and I said, well, you should take it over. And you guys, I was kind of shocked. And she said, Okay, I will. (laughs) And I was like, Oh my gosh, I love this. Like, I was so thrilled and so grateful because I didn't want it to end. I want you guys to have every. Resource available to support one another, to be of service, to make your recovery journey stronger, right? And this is part of building our tribe. So, Jenna has stepped up. I wanted to bring her on the show so you could get to know her a little bit, introduce her to you guys, let you get to know her, what she's all about, hear her sober journey, so you know who you're talking to when you jump in Sober Sunday on the Clubhouse app. I'm so thrilled, again, so grateful to Jenna for doing this. So here's Jenna. Hi, Jenna. Thank you for being here with me. Hi, how are you? I'm so good. Are you still nervous? <laughs> no, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I feel honored. Why don't you take a minute and tell everybody just a little bit about you and your sober journey? Okay. So my name's Jenna, I'm
1: 33, I'm single. I've never been married and have no kids. My sober date is a May 18th, 2020. So yeah, I mean, as far as drinking goes, I think, I mean, it took me to get sober to realize all these things, but I think my drinking started um, quite young, uh, at the age of 15, you know? And, and even at that age, it was like blackout drinking. I don't even remember one point in my life going out just for like a cocktail. And then, yeah, I just, I mean, it it just progressed and, you know, oh, I got
0: into a relationship and just one thing led to the other and it's just alcohol is what I leaned on. Okay. Couple of things. One, you got sober during the pandemic. I did. What was that like? Honestly,
1: at first I was a little concerned because I did walk through the doors of AA prior to the shutdown. So I had, but I was still like, I hadn't really committed to my sobriety yet. I was just like dipping my toes in. So when the meeting stopped, I really thought I could do this all by myself. And it honestly took me under a week to like, get on the internet and find any kind of meeting I could get to. So I did do a lot of AA meetings on Zoom. Mm hmm.
0: Did you feel like, did you feel really isolated? Like, I know that's what so many people were struggling with, was feeling just cut off from the world. You know, we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't do anything. Did you have any of that? Or are you more like me? I'm an introvert. I don't mind being cut off, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. honestly, I am an introvert. And I just kind of looked at it like I was just starting sobriety. So I looked at it as like a break from life to like really get back in tune with myself. And I'm going to say like at the beginning, like spending a lot of time at home alone was difficult, but like now that I look back, it's those difficult days that really led to like better destinations. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot of safety in that too, you know, really like, because I've also heard people say the good side of getting sober during the pandemic is they didn't have all the challenges of happy hour and constantly being invited to go out and do things with their drinking friends, right? Like all of that was put on hold and, and there is some safety in just being at home in your safe space where, you know, you're okay, where, you know, there's nothing in there that can get you so to speak.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I actually kind of struggled with that. Like, you know, like, once I felt comfortable enough to start going out with people with the be anxiety, be, like being alone, like, you know, like you said the isolation, everything's safe and really before when I was going out places, like I was always having a few drinks first. So with that out of the equation, it's just it's crazy to actually feel what, you know, what we, we used to numb, that's all.
0: Yeah, for sure how old would you say you were like you started drinking really young, but how old were you when you started to recognize that it was a problem? It became a problem
1: around like 30, 31. Like I was always okay. Like I was more of like a binge drinker. I was okay. Like, you know, drinking from Friday to Sunday and then just putting it away for the week. And then it's just like, I was dating someone who, you know, they drank more regularly. So then, you know, then when I was alone, I was finding myself drinking more regularly. And then, you know, I started noticing, that like, the two drinks I used to have, like, start turning into four, and six. And the next thing you know, like, you're at the bottom of a bottle. So yeah, just it totally took control of my life. Like, I, I always explain this to my friends, now that I'm a little bit more open about my alcoholism, that I never really asked to cross the line like of no fun, like having fun drinking and like the no fun part, but I did cross it. And now it's just doing what I have to do to you know still live a good life. Were you not very open in the beginning? No, I was not open. Like the, I came clean one day with my whole family. Like I had, you know, like I had got a DUI. I had totaled my car. Like. I had been in the hospital a couple times um with withdrawals, and it still wasn't enough for me, you know, and like that was around Christmas time, and it took me until may so like yeah it was a it was a long go, but
0: what would you say is your i feel like we all have some like specific thought that keeps us from really committing to sobriety, right? Like even when we know we need to stop drinking, there's a point we all hit where we know, whether we admit it or not, we know that we need to give it up. But I feel like every person has some like personal little barrier. And for me, it was New Year's Eve. Like I talk about this on a lot of episodes where I always thought like, oh my gosh, how would I do New Year's Eve without champagne? And a part of that probably is I was a bartender, right? So those holidays, of course, were a big event, but it was an even bigger event for me because I worked and it was such a celebration and, and a lot of money that I made on those kind of parties, you know? So that was my thing is I would think about, I guess, holidays and birthdays, like how will I get through those things without drinking? Did you have a specific thing that made you hang on? Yeah. Honestly, this sounds crazy, but I
1: always used to think of like how I would never be able to have a drink on my wedding day. And like I now like a year and something sober, I am so glad I will be sober if I ever do get married.
0: Yeah. That's a big one. That's a big one that people think about a lot. I would much rather be sober though. (laughs) Actually remember what happened. (laughs) I guess that's because my drinking looked a little different than other people. I suppose other people can have their wedding and have like a drink or two and the focus would be on the wedding. For me, my entire focus would have been on the booze. Yeah, I can relate to that. So tell me, what did you think about AA when you first went? Like, were you freaked out about it? Did you have a lot of the... the preconceived notions about what it was going to be? I really didn't. Like I had honestly only heard like
1: by word of mouth, like just people talk about AA. So, and I really don't know what made me Google it that day, but I did Google it for, and there was a meeting that night and I got my mom, I know this is embarrassing, but I got my mom to call and make sure that it was like an open meeting. But yeah, no, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I cried for probably like the first few months, like in those meetings, like hearing the promises and stuff. And like, it's just such a spiritual experience. And so that's like, honestly, I didn't have I had a great experience there. I, I It's the love that you feel when you walk through those doors, like people from all walks of life and no judgment. And I mean, these people, you know, like I would go back in after a relapse and they are always asking me like my days and I like, here I am on day two and I don't even want to admit it. These people are like, oh my God, like, that's amazing. Like you're here. That's all that matters. And I was like, okay. Okay. So yeah, it's, I, I've met so many lifetime friends that have helped me stay sober to this day for sure.
0: Yeah, it is a different connection. I believe we do connect with each other, you know, addicted person to addicted person. It is just a very different connection than than I have with other people, you know, because we have survived something that is. I don't even know what to call it, you know, like we have survived this monster that kind of lives inside of us. And the only way you know that monster is if you have the same monster. And I think that's what really connects us and getting through it. And I feel like two were super protective of each other. And that was one of the things I really picked up on when I started going to meetings is like everybody is willing to go the extra mile for each other. Like this is the only room I've ever been in where I could say like, Hey, everybody, I'm moving on Saturday. And like 15 people will be like, Oh, I can help. I can help. Hey, I've got a truck. I'll be there. You know what I mean? Like any, anywhere else, like you go, I'm moving. It's like crickets. Like everybody leaves you, your <laughs> friends stop responding to your text messages, you know, but it is that sort of I don't know. It's just that love that we have for each other that we just want to do so much to care for one another and be there for one another. And I've never experienced that anywhere else.
1: Yeah. And I I know I've talked to a lot of people who do have, you know, a different taste in their mouth about AA,
0: Mm -hmm. but I
1: really think it's like the type of thing that you do have to shop, like not shop around, but you just can't find one group and like stick to them. Like you have to find a group, like I come from a small town. So I was also going to CA meetings because I mean, they're, they're the same. And the, like the people that I was closest with were part of that group. So, and still today, like I go to that meeting versus AA, because for me, it's a better group. And you know what I mean? If the group, isn't giving
0: you what you need. It's so important to find one that does. For sure. They're, they're all so different. And I know I always, for the most part, talk about AA in such a positive way, because I do get all warm and fuzzy when I think about it. At the same time, I don't want to paint a picture like I've never had some weird shit happen in AA. You know, like I've definitely had some difficult situations. I've definitely been around people um, that weren't so kind or people that had some significant mental health stuff that, so they weren't kind or, There are definitely people who have inappropriate behavior with relationships and things like that. And I'm not saying I never experienced that stuff because of course I did. I think to me, it just... I didn't think it was like specific to AA because I deal with that same kind of stuff like everywhere, you know, like I have just as many weird people approach me at the gym trying to flirt with me or talk to me, you know, or (laughs) at the grocery store or so I just never thought of it as being specific to those rooms. And I feel like that's what I hear a lot is people are kind of scared, like it's more weird there than it is anywhere else. And I guess I just don't feel that. (laughs)
1: yeah I can't say I've ever felt that either, though. But
0: I have heard people
1: who felt like they had those experiences. So,
0: yeah, yeah, I definitely had some weird experiences, probably also that I am not a timid person either. You know what I mean? So it does like, I don't mind standing up to somebody and putting somebody in their place. I'm very comfortable Mm. with that, but I guess maybe if I were a little softer person, it would be more bothersome. You know, for me, it's just like, whatever, dude, stop. You're ridiculous. (laughs) Okay. So tell me what, what made you decide that you were willing to take over sober Sunday and do it? What was your thought process about clubhouse, because like I said, like, that's how I basically met you, right? Was in clubhouse, like seeing you show up for sober Sunday and you would always share. And when you are the facilitator of something like that, for me, like I'm so grateful, <laughs> like every week when I would see familiar people, I was like, oh, thank God they're here. You know, like there's just yeah. some comfort in that because it's a lot to have to carry a whole conversation and do all the talking and keep the momentum going and the topic. I mean, it's a lot. Um, so that is how I know you, but what made you decide that you wanted to carry it on? Honestly, I just I love the I love the service part of recovery. Mm
1: -hmm. And, you know, like, for me, since I've been sober, I spend a little bit of time every day, you know, like, I remember when I was at my rock bottom, and I was in like, uh, at that point, all I had was like this app on my phone where I would like reach out, you know, for some support. And like, there wasn't really much there. And like, now I'm part of a couple also like your podcast group and a good friend of mine started another group called the addict agenda and that also like so I spend time in there like you know just even writing back to someone you know those people that that need the push that day because I remember so many days when I needed that push Mm -hmm. and you know I didn't always have someone to give me that push and I mean, I look back now, and that's okay, because it made me stronger. But really taking over Sober Sunday for me um, was, first of all, I never thought I'd see the day that I would be sober enough to do such a thing. And two, just to hold the space for people that need it. And it's just, you know, and I just don't think there's any... I feel like every day I get up, I, you know, I, I still struggle sometimes with my mind some days it's easier than others, but there's no better way than to start with, you know, an hour room focused on getting our mind right. Because most of the people that do show up are in the same situation. And it's crazy. In that one hour, you could turn your whole day around.
0: Without a doubt. Yeah. I love, I love that aspect of it. Service work was life changing for me. And I, I think probably a lot of people would say that if you do it and really embrace it and continue doing it in your life, make it a part of your lifestyle um, because we're so selfish and self-absorbed, certainly in our active addiction, right? I never thought about anyone else for any reason. You know, So to have that shift of really putting other people's needs in front of my own, not in a sense that it's detrimental to my own mental health or safety or whatever, but but just thinking of my day in a way that I want to make someone else's day better, you know, instead of everything just revolving around me and what yeah. I want and what I want to do and where I want to go and who I want to talk. Like I'm exhausting, you know, it's so good to, to just be available for other people. And I love that you said even commenting back to someone else, like in the Facebook groups, like people don't think of that as service, but that is service. That is a moment that you are reaching out to help another person that you're not on your own agenda. And that's huge. And service literally can be that simple.
1: Yeah. I just feel like when someone's like in that darkness, like I, I there's, after recall like after a recovery, like I honestly can't put into words the darkness of addiction, and I totally relate what you just explained, like how we're so selfish and nothing and nobody came first. And if anybody had to, like I've been thinking of this recently, like if anybody had to come first, I had like this anger, you know, when I had to do stuff for other people, I was. So angry about it, mm-hmm. and like now it, it's it's not like that, you know. It, it's so much for everyone else, and it's just it's a great feeling.
0: Yeah, I I'm a huge believer too. In that was a big part for me of starting to rebuild my self esteem, because you can't be so selfish and self absorbed and just functioning on your own agenda. And feel like a good human being, <laughs> you know. Like yeah. it just doesn't work that way. So, for me, when I started doing service work, and of course, I started through twelve steps, so it was all recovery-related stuff. But at some point, it really just became a mindset shift. And I love doing service work, and of course, that means volunteering. I do a lot of volunteer stuff. Um, hopefully, we'll have that opportunity again soon because coronavirus kind of took that away for a while, but it's definitely volunteering, but it also is, again, just those little things of like being service-minded toward other people. How can I make somebody else's day better? How can I make somebody else smile? Let me hold the door for somebody. Let me make eye contact with somebody and smile because a lot of people aren't smiling these days.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it is true. And I, and really, and, and it's not like, it's not expecting anything in return, you know, right. And like, even if you don't get the reaction, like I know like some, I get into some situations in a day, and you know, someone does something to me that would usually like throw me off for the day. I'd be pissed all day. And, but it's just so nice to like realize that those people have their own problems and it has nothing to do with me, you know?
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. So what would you say in your sobriety thus far, what has been your most challenging time And how did you get through it and stay sober? I think my most challenge, well, the biggest challenge
1: has really been my anxiety. So when I was in early recovery, let's say like the first month, like I really didn't think that I would ever get control of my anxiety. Like I just, I would cry to my mom and just be like, mom, like, am I ever going to be normal again? But yeah, it's it's been a journey but a lot of it is just um you know like routines like I I've noticed that I, I have to keep my routine going on weekends like I get up at 5:30 during the week and if I you know sleep in on weekends it screws me up so I just keep it going I need time in the morning to get my mind right like I've been doing a lot more meditating which I know I was super skeptic about, but that actually helped. And and just reaching out, like I have a really good friend that I can message at, you know, any time of day, any time of night, and he's there. And it's just so nice to put like your feelings into perspective, and that's how I get through all of, you know, what I have to.
0: Yeah, I love that you said meditation because so many people are so skeptical about meditation, but it's, I mean, it's proven that it works. Like, There's a ton of research around this, that it really
1: does work. Yeah, I know. I've been telling people, like, I get it, because people like, oh, meditating, like, and I get it, because it is challenging, right? To like, quiet the mind and stuff like that. But like, to me, like, I'll tell my friends, like, put one on before, like, say, you're going to have a nap. And just like, I don't know, like I've been doing it like maybe for the last month and you can't deny like the calmness it gives you throughout the day. Yeah. So I mean, if if something as simple as laying on the couch
0: and listening to something recorded, you know, I, I think it's worth it. Yeah, totally. I think too people, people get this picture in their mind of meditation. Like you have to be sitting in a dark room and your eyes are closed and sitting cross-legged, you know, it's like, it doesn't have to be that, you know, like I can't, like I talk all the time about Listening to stuff when I'm in the car, listening to stuff when I'm in the shower, like I will go on YouTube and find a guided meditation, and that will be my focus like while I'm in the shower because I'm a captive audience, right, and I'm on autopilot. It's not like I have to really think about my shower. I've been doing it for a hundred years, so that's just a time that I'm not distracted doing a hundred other things that I can really focus on what that guided meditation is saying and And it's okay for your thoughts to wander too. People think they're doing it wrong if their thoughts wander. No, your thoughts are going to wander. We're human beings. We're busy. There's a lot of stuff happening. It's okay if your thoughts wander. You just want to reel them back in, you know, just catch yourself and go, oh, wait a minute. Okay, let me focus back on that and hear what they're saying. But yeah, it's, uh, it's something that I think people again, get this picture of what they think it has to look like. And it just doesn't have to look like that at all. You can have your eyes open. You can be moving around, doing stuff. You can be at the gym, working out. There are walking meditations. I mean, it's just about focusing on your thoughts, quieting your mind, getting some perspective, being introspective. Yeah. I love meditation. It is. It's so calming. No, it is definitely. And really, when you think of it, like, I feel like most of the
1: tools um, that I've acquired through my sobriety journey, most are quite simple, you know, like, it's things that we often overlook. Like, I know, like, you'll tell some people, like, breathing exercises and they roll their eyes, but, like, you don't know how many days just simply breathing has saved me,
0: you know? Yeah. It's another one. Like I always say, I'm like, people, it's science. It's proven. (laughs) we're, (laughs) We're not saying breathe because we want you to look crazy. It works. Like this is a proven thing that works in your body to calm you. But I think you're exactly right. And the things are so simple. You almost don't want to do them because I think we want the big magic pill, right? Or the big magical thing that in one fell swoop is going to heal all my anxiety and make me better. And I'm never going to have any problems ever again. And it doesn't work like that. You know, it really is the most simple things. That's why you hear the same things over and over in every genre of self-help you'll hear the same tools Mm -hmm. because that's the stuff that works no it's true like I remember I did
1: counseling and like I was teaching like all my clients like when they would you'd offer them these tools it's like it's just it's what it works like really I had to you know find something and today my anxiety Um, yeah, some days are worse than others, but it's night and day. Like,
0: yeah. What do you do for work, Jenna, if you don't mind my asking?
1: So I did, well, I completed my BA in psychology and then I did my master's in counseling, but I didn't have the best experience with counseling. Um, I didn't have a very good relationship with my supervisor. So I kind of like kiboshed that. So I currently work for my, well, my father, he runs a construction company in town. So he's been in business for about 45 years. And I just help out, do estimating and like work in the office.
0: So definitely not in my field of study, but. (laughs) Are you, do you want to go back to your field of study? I mean, is that something you think about down the road, just in a different realm? Because with your education, you know, there are a lot of different things you can do with that education too.
1: No, I, I've been thinking about it. I just feel like getting sober, like the first year was like just to get my life back. And like, I feel like now that I'm the years done, like it's time to redevelop like the passions of my heart. Like it it is, I don't know if I could see myself doing one-on-one counseling, but I don't see it as a waste. Like everything I studied and read about, I mean, it, it was kind of like the therapy I needed. -hmm. So, I have like a better perspective on some things, but yeah, we'll see.
0: And I do want to ask you too because you said that your anxiety was one of your greatest challenges in sobriety like, what are some other things you're doing? I mean, you said meditation and breathing exercises. Like how else are you managing your anxiety? Because this is something I get asked literally 50 times a day It's like, how do I figure out my anxiety? How do I deal with this? My anxiety is so bad. I have terrible social anxiety. I'm like, yes, we all do. I get it. We're all together in this. What are some things that really worked for you? Like me, I honestly, it sounds trivial, but I
1: have to remind myself, like, I don't know how many times I said this to myself during my recovery, I'd be like, Dana, that's the alcoholic in you. Like, that's, that's not you talking in your brain. Like, that's the alcoholic in you. Like, get out of your head. And honestly, I was explaining this to my mom last night, because she was inquiring, like, how to start thinking more positively and stuff. And to be honest with you, it's start, it's a process. For like, sure. You yeah. Are, you have to start feeding your brain the the positive things and the more it goes like the more you see that your brain actually does it by itself and like when it came to anxiety that's really it was honestly a lot of just mental coaching like I would do it anyways and like while I was in the store I was mentally coaching myself you know and like I would there's like those things like five find five things that you could see four things that you could feel and just things like that. And yeah, I know it's crazy, but I'm so glad I didn't give up.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you're exactly right. I love that you just said that if focusing on those things that are right in front of you, when your anxiety is getting really bad, it's something I will do in my head is like, remind myself that I'm safe because that's a, big thing for me, right, is feeling unsafe. And that's the first thing I will say is like, Angela, you're safe. Like everything's okay right now. You're good. Mm -hmm. You know, nothing's going on. You're safe. It's all good. And then I can go from there to- um, because I don't know if a lot of people know about those tools, like what you were just saying, like, what are five things you can see right now? What are three things you can feel right now? Because it just brings you back to the moment and where you are, instead of how we love to blow things out of proportion and catastrophize the small. Yeah,
1: like really something <laughs> small like that, like really all it's doing is getting you out of your head, right? Yeah, And then all those like thoughts that are going crazy and spiraling out of control. But yeah, that's like one thing I really like when I got sober, I was, I always used to say that I never knew why I was an alcoholic, but I really, I do (laughs) know. It's been a great personal journey and one that I don't regret.
0: Yeah. It is such a great journey and it is hard sometimes, no doubt, but but I think life would still be hard. I would still have hard stuff even if I wasn't an alcoholic, right? It's not like life being challenging is specific to alcoholics. You know, Life is challenging for everybody. So mm-hmm. I think we are so much better equipped because we are in constant conversations about tools and how to grow and how to get through things where a lot of other people aren't, you know, a lot of other people are just kind of out in the world doing the thing, but they don't have any tools and they're not working with coaches and they don't have a program to go to where a sponsor teaches them how to do things and how to feel and label feelings and cope with feelings like i feel so fortunate that i've had a program and i've had the opportunity to learn how to grow up and be a better person. Yeah,
1: no definitely. Like i really think like i always say this, i feel, I feel like everyone needs aa because i mean aside from alcohol, it is a program for living.
0: It you is. know what i mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a beautiful thing and, and it's a program that I mean, makes you focus on yourself, but also be gentle with yourself. And Mm -hmm. that's just something that I can appreciate.
0: Mm -hmm. I think too, looking back, like going to meetings for me was how I, how I could see, physically see my level of commitment. If that makes Mm -hmm. sense, you know, because I went to a meeting every day for many, many years and that was just, it's not that everything you learn in those rooms are specific to those rooms. You can learn all the same stuff in a thousand different places from a thousand different people, but showing up every day, getting my act together, getting out the door and getting to the meeting was just how I could see tangibly my commitment and that was such a big piece of it for me. And and listen, there's some instant gratification there too, because as soon as I would walk in the room, all my friends were there and it's like, everybody's cheering, there's happy you're there. Oh, good to see you. What's going on? Oh, you're still sober. Like it was so fun. You know, I loved yeah. all, I loved all that stuff. But yeah, it was definitely a great, great tool for me. And at the same time, I love seeing how much the recovery community has grown and evolved in the last five years for sure, just in all the different things that are available now and all the different people that are speaking openly about their recovery and creating programs and communities, just like I've done, you know, like it's really, really fun to see all the options that everybody has now that are simple and fast and, and on the computer, like now you don't even have to leave your house.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And yeah, like even like with Clubhouse, you know, because like, I mean, AA is great and stuff, but I just find Clubhouse came into my life at a really good time. And it it, it offers like a whole new, like not perspective, but it, it's like recovery in a whole other lens, you know, yeah. because it's not all AA. And, it, and I mean, I still find like there's a place for those types
0: of room and recovery and like you get just as much from them. So, yeah. And that was a big thing too, that I know Brock and I talked about a lot in starting sober Sunday is that we didn't want it to be an AA meeting. We wanted it to be a recovery meeting, you know, just like our podcasts are, we wanted to just talk about recovery lifestyle, how to get through things, um, and stay sober. Like we didn't want it to be like a meeting because if we want Meetings will go to meetings. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like if I want to go to an AA meeting, I'll go to an AA meeting. I don't have to go to Clubhouse. I can go to an AA meeting. But yeah, that was super important to us in starting it too, is that we just wanted it to be a safe, open place for everybody, no matter how you do recovery. I like all the recovery things. You know, I'm an AAer, mm-hmm. but. I'm an AA person a lot too, because when I got sober, there really wasn't anything else. That's what you did. That's where you went. If you didn't want to drink anymore, you went to AA and, and it was a godsend for me. You know, I'm glad that I had a really positive experience. But I love all the things. I want to do all the recovery things.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just feel like, cause some people that I know who are kind of like attempting recovery right now, I just feel like, like suggesting them AA online it's not exactly the same as like if you walked into a room. So that's like the only thing for them they're kind of missing out on. Yeah.
0: But at the same time, for some people it's been easier because it's true. It's so much easier people, to show up online when you can leave your camera off. You can stay on mute. You can really be, it's so much more anonymous. True. true. You don't have I to drive there. <laughs> you know, which is yeah, always my problem true. when I'm going to drive. Yeah, so I think it is like, and I try to offer all the things to everybody and let them, like, it's their responsibility to figure out what works, what doesn't, what they like, what they don't. Like, all I can do is tell you what the options are. You know, from there, you have to take it and go do your own work and figure out what feels right for you.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. No, I find that took me a while because like in early recovery, I think you spend a lot of time comparing yourself to like what other people are doing for their recovery. And they're like, oh my God, am I doing enough? Am I not doing enough? But yeah, I don't know. I just had an epiphany one day and I was like, listen, if I am sober today and this is how I'm doing it, like that is more than enough. And it really doesn't matter what they're doing. It is like such a personal road and experience.
0: Yeah, definitely. Okay, last question, favorite question. What's your favorite thing about being a sober person? My favorite thing about being a sober
1: person is the ability to be present. And I mean, present for big things and little things. I mean, simple as like sitting on your back hammock and just enjoying the, the, what's around you. And like the big things like my nieces and nephews, you know, stuff like that, that I go to attend because I remember going to a couple events intoxicated and I
0: still, you know, it's still hard to
1: swallow. So, yeah, for me, it's just being present.
0: Yeah. Excellent answer. And I love that you said that too, like laying on your hammock and just, because honestly, before I was sober, I would have never even thought to try something like that, more or less enjoy it and appreciate it. You know, it's like now like going, I mean, being outside, going for walks, like the most simple things I can find so much joy in that when I was drinking, I didn't even have that awareness. No, definitely. Like I went kayaking
1: this morning and I, like, I had a moment cause like, I just like cracked open the sparkling water and like, honest to God, like back in the day I would have been drunk before I even got the kayak in the water, you know? So it's just, it's, I think it's a lot of how, like society also makes it seem like you have to drink to have fun. Yeah. And you know, it's just, there's, it's, Life is so much better without it.
0: So much better. Yeah. And we get to do a lot more cool stuff because when I was drunk, I couldn't follow through on anything. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. Usually fall
1: asleep before dinner.
0: (laughs) Well, Jenna, thank you so much for coming on and spending some time with us and letting everybody get to know you. For all you listeners out there, again, Sober Sunday on the Clubhouse app. That's at 10 a.m. Central Time please Google for your time zone. And if you want to know more information, if you need an invite, join us in the Addiction Unlimited Facebook group. Jenna is really good about jumping in when people ask for an invite. I have invites also that I can give people. So definitely get in the Addiction Unlimited Facebook group. I will link that in the show notes. Jenna, thank you again. It's so good to get to spend some time with you and thank you for taking over Sober Sunday. Thank you. It's nice to meet the face behind the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) The face behind the voice.
1: Yes. (laughs) You've reached the end of another great
0: episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. Candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.